Hey, this is uh, Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems, Transportation Management Software, and host of 3PL Live. I'm really excited today, actually, to talk to Chris Jolly, the freight coach. Chris is an amazing salesperson with a great personal brand on LinkedIn, and we get into all sorts of sales tactics and talk about all sorts of stuff with uh, regards to sales and freight brokerages. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, man. Um, well, I'm stoked to talk to you. I was looking at your LinkedIn and it looks like you, you worked at XPO Logistics for a while there. What yeah. how did you get into this whole... Like I've indirectly been involved in freight my entire life. My old man drove, my grandfather drove. So I always was going to be involved in the industry somehow. I just didn't know in what capacity. And I graduated college. My older brother lived out in Reno, Nevada. I went and visited one summer. I got to go. I, I got to try something new here talking to a, another buddy who lived out here and he or out in Reno and his former college roommate was a branch president. XPO acquired us. Yeah. So like I had a phone interview and I packed up my truck and moved out West at 25 years old. I had like $400 to my name when I got out here and a couch to crash on at my brother's. And that's kind of how I got started in the industry. That's wild. What were you doing at XBO? You were on the sales side in AE or? Everything, man. I was carrier sales, customer sales. I worked in leadership there as well. I was there for six years. So like the majority of my career was spent at XPO. That's awesome. What was it like uh, working there in sales? Where, I mean, I guess it kind of depended like whether or not the carrier side, I'm assuming you're going out and finding carriers. Is that what you mean of that? Yeah. So with carrier sales, we're, you know, like I was fortunate because I was trained by career carrier sales reps. Load boards are a crutch. They're not the end all be all. So like our, our whole thing was, is let's utilize load boards for what it's intended for. And that's to build up relationships with carriers, identify which lanes they run, not which lanes we want them to run mm -hmm. and really drive that home and build up a carrier base. For the first probably three months I was on the job, I couldn't take an inbound call. Everything had to be outbound. And that's just how I, I was, uh, trained to do this job. So I was in that for like two and a half years. And then I transitioned over to a sales rep role. It was like a hybrid role. That's where I really learned how to gr grind it out. And, you know, as, as a lot of people say, and making sure. all the, the cold calls and everything else, the difference between working at a big box broker, and this isn't for everybody, you know, not everybody's experience is like this, but like you have that brand recognition that really helps you in the, you know, like it, it'll at least soften the first amount of the cold, you know, like the first start sure. of the cold call. And I just think that with, with that, you know, it was, it kind of gave me, it wasn't like, this isn't a, a big broker's fault or anything like that, but like, it, it almost gives you a false idea of how sales really are, mm -hmm. you know, like it's not really that complete stranger calling when you're like, Oh, I recognize you. You're the second largest broker in North America, right. you know? And then, oh, your LTL company, uh, you know, division is in and out of our facility all the time. So it's like, they do great for us. So it's like, it almost like it sets you up for success in that regard. And, you know, but that, that it doesn't go without saying that you still have to work extremely hard to gain new clients because people don't just hand you millions of dollars in freight, right. you know, you have to earn that day in and day out. With um, some of the clients you're going after, was it something where you get like one shipment and then sort of build the relationship and that's how you kind of end up getting more? Or how does that all work with that side of the business? Yeah, that's essentially how it goes. I like earlier in my career, if somebody was to give me access to all their freight, I would have been doing backflips. Like, oh, this is great. They're going to be the greatest client ever. After some experience, that's not always the case. Like that's, that might be like, and this isn't every scenario, but that might be a customer who might not have the best credit rating, or they're looking to max out with one provider and then they're going to add another one. And then you're just going to go down that. And then there are days to play, get drug out to 130, 140 days or however that looks. But the majority of the customers that you're going to bring on, it's a trial run on both sides for probably the first 20 shipments. You have to get comfortable mm -hmm. with each other. You need to learn their processes. Even if they give you the most detailed SOP out there to follow, you're still going to have growing pains. But the one thing that will always help anybody alleviate those is just communication. Communication solves everything. And it's not, it's nothing to shy away from. You're never going to bring a scenario to a, a seasoned shipper that they haven't been presented with multiple times before. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that that makes total sense. And the, I know you're really big on LinkedIn as well. And I you have some really great branding um, and you have a great personal brand. How did you figure that out? I know that you're using LinkedIn as part of your overall sales presence. So I'm, I'm curious, yeah. like, how did you how did you end up doing that? Was it on for me, LinkedIn was kind of on accident. Uh, I started using it and then I realized the potential from it. I actually ended up getting another job as a result of making some posts. And then yeah. one of my old boss saw that and then he hired me from there. So I just realized the the power of LinkedIn. And I, I know that you know as well. So I'm just curious, like, how did you figure that out? Yeah, honestly, man, I was listening to another podcast. Like I'm a big, I'm a big podcast guy. I listen to them all the time, nonstop. It's either that or like audiobooks. Like, yeah, sure. I still listen, still listen to music occasionally, but I just enjoy it. And I was like, and I knew that when I went out on my own, I knew that no one was going to do any of this for me. I, I, I'm, from like, I'm from a blue collar to the core family, man. Like I, I don't, nothing was ever like drawn out. Like I would like hard work was the only thing that was really ingrained in me from a young age was like, you got to work for it. If you want it, you have to work for it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I just sat there and reposted other people, content from other people that wasn't going to do anything sure and i uh you know, i was listening to uh, gary v of all things and he said linkedin is an untapped market he's like that's where i'm laying all of my bets on the next big platform for you know business and early 2020 and that's when i heard this podcast and i think this podcast was probably from like 2018 or something like that at the time all it said was you know just like consistency. And there's a big difference between just posting stuff to post stuff consistently and actually adding value. So I knew that if I didn't speak about my experiences as a broker, that it wouldn't add value to anybody. Because like at the end of the day, I know a lot about what not to do in this industry. And that was one thing that I was not going to, like, I, I feel like it was my duty. Just tell everybody how the real side of freight really is like it's not a cookie cutter industry it's not for the faint of heart and that was my whole plan was i was going to do something every single day uh well at least you know the five days a week in the working days it was going to be a different topic every single day so it wasn't the same message five days a week and it was just it was all it's i mean it's still all trial and error mm -hmm. at the end of the day jeremy like there's no there's no secret sauce to it because like there's stuff that i put out there that hits you know, it gets a ton of views. It gets a ton of engagements. And then the next day there's nothing, maybe <laughs> 20, 25 likes and about 10 comments. Sure. And then, but, but at the end of the day though, I'm like, it's not about me. So I'm going to put a video out the next day, no matter what, because like, I'm just such a firm believer that you're one introduction, you're one piece of content away from that, having, having that change your life. And if you don't put it out there, no one's going to find you. You can't just like sit back. You have to put your, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be okay with the fact that when you start on LinkedIn or any social media, you're going to get maybe five likes. And one of them's probably always going to be you and a member of your family. Sure. But that's normal though, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it's like, you just got to, you got to, you got to think long-term with it. You can't get frustrated. Like it, it takes a while to build. And like, and I'm still learning this stuff, man. Like I'm not, I'm not even a year into this consistently yet. It'll be a year in probably two months, you know? So it's like, I'm 10 months into this journey and it's, it's a learning process every single day. And you have to be willing to pivot away from your initial strategy. Mm -hmm. You have to change things up because, you know, the thing is, is algorithms change all the time mm -hmm. and they're, you know, however that is. So that's a game in itself right there. And like, I have a running spreadsheet that I use on when I post and what hashtags I use and everything else to try and track that, to see what hits, what's, what doesn't hit to try and clean it up. Because like, I'm a student of this game. Like I'm one of those, like, I love this. Like I, I truly love putting content together. It's fun. It's like, I gotta, yeah, yeah. I gotta figure out yeah. what's going to work and reach the most, the, the largest audience. That makes sense. I, I do want to ask you too a little bit about vulnerability. I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And yeah, I, I think that, I, I think everyone struggles with putting themselves out there. It's it's a common human fear to want to be, you know, you don't want to be judged. You don't want to be made fun of or whatever. And I, I think that that's kind of part of the, the thing that people need to overcome and when they're first starting to post like on LinkedIn. I think that that's the power though, is that once you, once you kind of just realize that 
everyone's on there. We're all human. We're all kind of here to share something. I feel that it opens up so much opportunity. And especially if you use your genuine voice and your real about your failures. And that's the part where I, what I've realized is that that's where kind of like the power I think is. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I think you, you can't portray to be something that you're not. And people right. will be able to sniff that bullshit out really quick. Sure. They're going to be able to sniff that out. At the end of the day, why are you trying to, I, I guess, and this, this, this boils down to like sales too and getting rejected and all that stuff. Why are you going to let somebody who you're never going to meet in your life, like in all reality, you're never going to interact with them on that level. If they shut you down, like, why are you going to give them any power over you? Sure. Because like people either like you or they don't like, I would rather know, like, I guess I'm the, I'm the person where I would rather know that you don't like me than have that. Inter- Cause I think we've all had those interactions in life, Jeremy, where they they're two faced. They're like, you know, that you think they're supporting you and they're your friend. And then they're out there just talking mad crap sure. about you behind your back. So it's like, I'd rather just know up front. You just need to adopt that mentality. Not to sound like morbid or anything, man, but it's like realistic. It's like, dude, I'm in my mid thirties, 50 years from now, I'm probably gonna be dead. So who cares? Yeah. Significant in the, the grand yeah. scheme of things. One, yeah. 100%, man. 100%. My focus is pursuing my passions and why I know I was put on this earth and creating a life for my family. That's my main focus. So if there's people out there that don't like what I say, and trust me, I get... I get plenty of DMs. That is what it is, man. Like I laugh at it myself, dude. I just think it's funny because it's like, how did I completely throw your life off kilter that day that you felt the need to message, to you. take time and send me a message? A, I feel bad because it's like, dude, you, you like you might want to work on some stuff. It's funny though to me. It's it's hilarious because it's like at the end of the day, I am so much more harder on myself than any. Like that's why I don't do second cuts on stuff. That's why I like, I legitimately, everything that I shoot is one time. Sure. I would sit there and beat myself up. If I watch myself be like, I sounded ridiculous right there. I got to change that. And then it would like a two minute video would take three hours. Sure. And so it's like, it's just easier just to shoot it, shoot from the hip, record it, do my little editing piece and be done with it. No, it's, it makes sense. I was just talking to this guy, uh, Richard Harris, uh, the other day and Richard had, recorded like 200 episodes of surf and sales and those guys were just like grinding them out yeah and they, they didn't do any editing at all and it, there's something to be said about that because i think a lot of people have like that uh paralysis analysis where they're think oh, about yeah. stuff too much they over i'm i'm a chronic overanalyzer myself so i've had to like step out of my head at times to figure out like what works and what doesn't and kind of look at stuff from more of like a, a scientific point of view like i'm just going to try this see what happens. I mean, it's all, Jeremy, it's it's all trial and error, dude. Right. Everything is trial and error. You're going to hit that. You know, you're going to find your stride eventually. If you do something enough, you're not going to master anything after posting a couple of times and the paralysis by analysis. Like I I was there once too, man. This is before I even started creating content. Like I was just, I was just talking myself out of more things than I was actually doing it. You kind of have to have that hard look in the mirror and just be like, it's not the world, it's me. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm the one who's stopping myself from growing. Sure. I'm the one who's stopping myself from being vulnerable. And I'm the one who's stopping progress in my life. I don't think anybody, I don't think the world, there's like, there's not a, you know, the world's not out to get you in my, sure. yeah, I guess, in, in, in my opinion anyways. No, I, I'm with you on that. How did you get out of your own way at those times where you're struggling with that when you were like, all right, I don't really you know, for whatever reason, we could all get thrown off by anything, a comment yeah. or whatever. How do, how do you get out of those ruts when you're in them? It's not easy. Like I still, I, I'm a human being, man. Like I still yeah. have my, my good days and my bad days. What, what legitimately keeps me putting out stuff every day is it's, it's, it's the, the messages that I get from people who are like, thank you for sending, like, thank you for posting that. That information was what I needed to hear today. That is like one of those comments is what will always help me keep pushing it out there because it's like, when you remove yourself from the equation and be like, it's not about me. It's like, I'm trying to provide as much value to as many people as possible. And that will always start with one person. So that's my whole mentality with it is every day, as long as it helps one person, if there's 15, 20 DMs telling me that I just need to stop talking and there's one person who was like, that helped me. Thank you. That's always going to, that, that's always going to be worth it to me. No, that's, that's so true. Like, uh, my father-in-law, he's actually like a minister at prisons for, he's an old Hollywood actor. He fought Bruce Lee actually in an old movie called game of death. So he's, he's got an interesting life, but he, 
he goes to prisons or whatever and he he gets these like notes from these people that are like you changed my life i don't necessarily get messages like that and i'm sure that we don't get those types of messages no. maybe you do but like at the same no. time it's it's still it's yeah. still like what uh, a feedback loop i guess it's it's a nice feeling to know that someone's you know we're not in the dark yeah no for sure and, and like once you're once you're out there with that that once that shift comes in where it's like it's you're trying to serve others in that regard like your content your podcast whatever that is is it's meant to help serve others i think that's where it's like you get that like dude, i'll never like experience what your your is it your stepfather or your father-in-law father-in-law yeah yeah I'll, I'll never experience that because that like they they have that connection you know, where it's like, you know, the word of God and everything going out to them and they need, they need that message. But it's like, sure. when, you, when you take it from a different approach though, that it might not be like, oh, you saved my life, but it's gonna be like, hey, you helped me overcome a, a massive obstacle I had in my confidence on the phone. Absolutely. You know, so it's like, that's, that's the equation that I go, that I go for with, with a lot of it. And it's like, I mean, cause I was that scared kid on the phone, you know, trembling in my voice, 75 reasons why I shouldn't call somebody. Sure. You know, like I've been there, man. Like, I, and it's like, and it's still, it doesn't get easier. You know, like no's do not get easier. I just think that you find a way to like, not think about it as much because there's just, there's going to be, you know, like, I, I just think that you need to accept the fact that 99 out of a hundred times you're going to get told no. And sure. once you can, once you can, you, you can accept that. I think that's where it's like, that it makes those yeses all that sweeter. And then it'll start to minimize how those no's will start to affect you. Sure. Yeah. I've actually had that before when I, during my, I'm not longer in a sales role, but I've definitely been in, in um, cold calling roles where, you know, being in a brand new environment with mm -hmm. new people and having to pitch things that I barely understood myself. And yeah, it, it, that was a terrifying process because like you're trying to find your confidence with the, the cold calling, but you don't really necessarily know the product that well yet and then you got an audience so that that was the part that i always struggled with how do you help reps cold call better or help with their confidence is there anything that tricks that you figured out over time or yeah we practice like we practice the cold call because it's not about there's not a perfect pitch like in my experience you know in, in cold calling you know I, for 10 years last 10 years i've been cold calling there's no perfect pitch because it's like, I've said everything right on a call. In my opinion, I've said everything right, not got the business, but I've also like lost my train of thought mid-sentence and laughed at myself and like, I got to start this one over. <laughs> the other person laughed about it as well. And they turned into a customer they worked with for like three years, sure. you know? So it's like, I just think that at the end of the day, like you have to know what, like at least to be perceived that you know what you're talking about in that regard. And, but at the bottom line to me, people are going to buy from you because you, they like you. And it's something that you're doing that nobody else is doing. And to me, it's always going to boil down to the, like the little things. Like, I know like you're, all of our parents taught us to say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes that, that is the difference. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think that you got to go through it. You have to practice these things. If professional athletes who are at the top of their game constantly practice, if you're a professional sales rep, you should be constantly practicing your trade as well, no mm -hmm. matter what. You shouldn't think that you just have it figured out because you landed a couple of, of accounts because that's nothing. Accounts come and go all the right. time. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense. How did, how did you learn cold calling though? You just kind of did it yourself just by trial and error? Or do you, do you yeah. remember like going through that process? Because I remember right. like when I first started cold calling, I just remember I was pretty, I felt like I was okay with it, with it for a bit there when I wasn't thinking too much about it and it, it was like naturally okay yeah. but then like there was times where I would kind of go in and out of my head I guess depending on the situation I so like I was given a script and they're like read the script and go with that I threw that out because I like first and foremost I have a trouble I have trouble with comprehension I can't read and talk at the same time even to this day you know like if I'm reading it's like sound off everything off and I'm focused on reading because otherwise I don't retain it. Sure. And so it's like, I tried that and it didn't work for me. So I just started shooting from the hip. I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm trying to capture. I'm just going to try and talk to them about everything, but freight. I got to get to know them. I have to prospect because like we, I don't know anything about them. They're not going to, you know, so it's like, I got to learn about them a little bit first here. And I just started calling people to have a conversation with them. I like, they know why we're calling. Sure. Okay. Like, why are we like, I, I don't feel the need to like put on some facade. It's like, Hey, listen, this is why I'm calling. 
I know you do this. I have, I have capacity for you. This is, this is what I'm looking for. Does that work for you? And leave it at that. If it doesn't, there's so much business out there. There's so much business. And just because it's a no today, follow up with them in a couple of weeks, because like, they're not going to remember you. They get 75 phone calls a day from different providers. They're not going to remember Chris from ABC logistics ever. So it's like, I'll follow up with them. And I, I, I guess it's like with that, I legitimately will follow up until I die or they die. That's my whole thing is I'm going to continuously follow up every account of substance that I brought on. It all started the same. I call gatekeeper. We're not interested. Cool. A couple weeks later, I call back. Okay. What do you want to talk about? All right. Establish a little bit of a relationship there. Treat them like a human being. Still not interested. We're good. Perfect. All right, cool. I'm going to call back in a few more weeks and I would just continuously follow up. And then you finally work your way up the ladder. You get to the decision maker who will then in turn tell you we're fine with our current providers, but you already know their information. You know who they are. Respect them when they tell you that we're not adding anybody. You can stay persistent in your pursuit of their business mm-hmm. without being like, Hey, I, I got, fr- I got trucks for you. I got trucks for you. Let, just turn me, you know, give me access. You can do that. And that's how like every relationship has started. And then it's the one lane that all of their current network failed on. Gosh. That's <laughs> the lane we get. And if you can produce for them on that one, it still might take you another two or three months to get any freight after that. But you left a positive thought in their head. Every time that I've done that, they've activated us and they're like, all right, we're going to give you one lane out of this one facility. You start there. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got to take and you got to build it up. Don't take this wrong if this was you. If you got married on the first date, <laughs> it takes time. These partnerships take time. You have to earn their business. You have to want to earn their business. It's just, be, just because you're a freight broker doesn't give you the right to their freight because you think that it, it should be just given to you. That's just not the way it works. What are, what are some things, have you tried anything interesting at all to try to get like meetings in the past? If like it was a, a real big account that you wanted, like I've tried direct mail before, like I've mailed like some records to people, like uh, CDs, mm-hmm. just stuff like that. Some uh, notebooks, just random stuff like that and videos. I've tried all sorts of stuff, but I'm curious to see if you've tried any other things like that. Yeah, I just show up at their place. Honestly, it, I'd show up in person. I, I know mean, that works. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's Yeah. To me, it's like I could send them coffee cups, you know, swag, whatever you want to call it, all day long. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot harder time telling you no to your face. They're at least I just think that they take it seriously. And this is pre-COVID, obviously. Sure. But they're like, if this individual is willing to show up here, I'll give you five minutes of my time. Sure. Or it's like, I can't meet with you today. Can you come back tomorrow? Something like that. But I've been told no to my face one time. One time there was a day and I'll never forget this because I was so like dejected after it, but it was like, I remember I walked in, I was, you know, introduced myself and let them know like, Hey, you know, you have that facility across the street from you. I deliver four trucks a day into there. Like legitimately here's who they are. Can I talk to you guys about your app on freight? They're like, no, you can leave our property right now. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. But that was the only time though. Just like every time, like you have a couple of bad cold calls. Like I don't think the majority of the people on this earth, like, I just think you catch people at the wrong time. I don't think they're like notoriously going to be a-holes sure. about things. You catch them at the bad time or, or whatever. And it is what it is. Short memory, move on and, and just kind of go from there. But I think like once you let that little bit of doubt start creeping in, that's what like prohibits you from really moving forward in your sales approach. And the no is going to be a part of it. And you do, you have to stand out in some way, shape or form because everybody cold calls, everybody says the same song and dance pitch. Everybody, I even see it on LinkedIn now, man. It's getting so watered down that it, how are you going to differentiate yourself if 45 other people are doing the exact same message you are, except for insert your company name and not theirs. Yeah. You can't, you can't separate yourself. There's no lottery. You know, there's no, you know, there's no wheel of fortune here. Sure. They spin the wheel and then boom, this, this logistics provider wins today. So how are you going to separate yourself? Do something different. Yeah, it's it's really true because I've noticed too, like a lot of sales pitches that I've seen in the past that have like slide decks, they would always just talk. It was always about the company and about when we started, like 
you know, who we are, blah, blah, blah. And it was never about like the, the people that they were talking to. And yeah. I think that that's like a major error. Sometimes the salespeople do things. It's just yeah. focusing on us instead of focusing like they're the star, not us, basically. 100%. Like, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, I get it. Have a company profile. This is yeah. what we do. This is what we do. You cannot send a 17-page packet to somebody that's overly wordy. You know, like, you can send multiple pages if it's got a flow to it, if it's got, like, minimal things where they're, like, it captivates them every single page, mm -hmm. you know? But it's like you can't just send the same old company. Hey, we were founded, and you know we're we have fifty thousand carriers in our network, and we're this and that. That that does nothing for them. That's basic to me, you know. Where it's like everybody has a company packet like that, and I get it. And you need one. I mean, I have one for my business right sure. now. But how are you delivering it? You can't just email it. You know, how are you delivering it? I don't know. Shit, I'll show up in a clown suit at somebody's <laughs> place if that, if that gets me their business. If I got to put some floppy top shoes on and a red nose, I'll do that. You know, that's different, <laughs> you know? Sure. One thing I was experimenting with um, the last sales role I was at is I would be on uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. with that little, it would show my face, but I'd be on their LinkedIn page and kind of like read one of their comments or something like that. Or I, it could be perceived as, I guess, a little intrusive, I guess, but at the same time, yeah. it's public. Yeah, I don't think that's intrusive at all. And, and I love that strategy use that. You know, if you want to get in the door with somebody, how do you familiarize yourself without being that pushy sales rep? Social media has legitimately changed the game. It like everything you need to know about anyone is on LinkedIn or the company Facebook page or Instagram or Twitter. Everything you need to know about your prospects are out there. But are you willing to go through those hoops to, to, to earn their business? Or are you just going to rely on the fact that you think you deserve their business. You don't, you have to earn it. Yeah, it, ma it makes sense. And you, you actually coach people as well, right? With like, yeah. um, and is it mainly freight guys or is it, I I'm assuming by the name. So, but it's probably anyone, right? That wants coaching. I specialize in transportation sales, sales and operations training within transportation. That's my specialization. I think that when it comes to like the fundamental of this is, yeah, sales is going to be sales across the board, but I learned better from people who have actually done the job than spoken about what I would do in a scenario that I've never experienced before. Sure. So that's why, that's where my specialization is. And if they're like, I just think that there's probably better sales coaches out there for uh, other, you know, real estate and everything. There's way more qualified people, but I just think in transportation and like, and that's how, what I coach my clients on as well. It's all about the niche, find your niche. There's so much business out there. You guys, there's so much opportunity that's out there. You just have to be willing to go and find it. It's not going to find you all the time. Makes sense. What do you think about some of these like digital freight brokerages like um, Convoy and some of these other players that kind of came up over the last couple of years? Do you think that that's kind of the future of everything or what's your thoughts on that? I, yeah, I, I personally love what companies like that are doing because I'm a, I guess I'm just a firm believer in technology. And I think that if you're a great broker or you're a great provider, technology is going to make you hall of fame. There's no reason for anybody to take your competitor's phone calls anymore. If you, if you, if you are operating that efficiently and I like, I love it. I, I think visibility is key. If you're able to, you know, like it's not going to replace anybody though, you know, digitizing our industry is like 20 years behind society. Sure. In, in regards to technology. Yeah, absolutely. This is bringing a another way of doing it because it's like at the end of the day again do not underestimate how much 800 billion plus a year in freight is yeah it's People, insane i love what convoy and uber are doing from that like you know like obviously like they're working things out too like they're not like out here saying this is the end all be all and if they have i'll eat crow i i didn't see that but i i think that it's a trial and error game they're trying to see what's going to work and what's going to actually add value I think that there's always going to be a place for the traditional broker that's going to ground and, you know, ground and pound the phones, get out there. There's going to be somebody out there for that, but you will need a tech backing of some sort to stay relevant because why would they want to work with you if they have to reach out for you to you for load updates when your competitor who offers the exact same quality of service sends them hourly updates. They're like, they get instant PODs 
why are they going to want to work with you? The stake in a round of golf once a year thing, it, I just don't see it's going to cut it. Be willing to adapt to that stuff because like the technology that's out there, I've seen a lot of it over the last 10 months is only going to amplify you. Yeah, the tech has gotten a lot better. I, I've been looking at a uh, Project 44 and Four Kites, and they've been doing some really cool stuff over there with visibility. And then MacroPoint, of course, done some really yeah. neat stuff. Yeah, yeah it's great. Truck, check out Trucker Tools as well. They're Trucker a great Tools. Company. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I think we, we have an integration with them. Is that um, what's the CEO's name over there? Prasad. Prasad. Yeah. Yep. I've seen him before. I think on uh, Freight Waves. Mm -hmm. That that company actually is interesting too. What I was kind of surprised when I first saw it because I wasn't in the freight industry for a good five years. And then I came back and I saw some of the freight wave stuff going on with um, Duner and the dude. And I was like, what is this? This is so like cool and neat. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, did you kind of trip out when you saw that for the first time as well? Just because I, I, I didn't know that freight had their their own media. Oh, like I loved it personally. Yeah. I thought the it was cool. Time, the first time I saw freight waves, I was like, this is insane. This is awesome. We're actually talking about on a mainstream level, what I've been doing for the last 10 years of my life. Like this is phenomenal. I love it. And they know what they're talking about over there. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I have guest hosted on there a couple of times, but I, I enjoy it. Like, I love that that is a thing, you know, because it's a specialization in what all of us love to do. And that's speak freight and they do it and they do it at a great level and they give us such a different perspective. I just think that you need to hear it in a different way. Sometimes I, I guess there's one thing I always live by is a fresh perspective is the best perspective sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you know, media, social media, you know, whatever you want to call it is possibly going to change your life if you see it in the right way. And it might, somebody's small piece of advice that they talk about could change the trajectory of your career. Yeah, I actually watched uh, that guy Duner's TED Talk last night on podcasting. Yeah. He was talking about a lot of like, you know, putting yourself out there and all that kind of stuff. And he was talking about struggling with like alcoholism and then yeah. starting that podcast and like how that podcast kind of saved him. But it was interesting because I was, I'm a newer podcaster, but I love this format because I feel like the amount of information that you could give to people and kind of serve people, like you were saying, is it's just awesome that you're that we're able to do this with like all the stuff that we have now and especially with covid it's nice to be able to do this from our homes as well yeah i mean it's like if anything that 2020 taught me is we're all on a level playing field no matter what you could have the biggest budget out there for your podcast but you're still at home with the same amazon mic setup sure. that everybody else has <laughs> in a bedroom or you know your, your yeah. home office there's never a wrong time to start, sure. you know, there's never a wrong time to start. And I like, I've watched the, the Ted talk as well with, uh, with Duner a couple of times. That's what I love about this stuff is that that's about as raw and unfiltered as you can get talking about your struggles in the past and how finding your purpose through podcasting save, save your life. That's about as raw as you can get as a person. It's like, I just respect the hell out of that for coming out about that too, because like yeah, addiction and everything else, that's a real thing. And there's so many people out there that, that suffer from that. And if you have somebody who is at the forefront of the media world and transportation talking about it, that just helps everybody out in the long run. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like it gives you hope because I think a lot of the times we're, we're so used to seeing such the polished versions oh, yeah. of ourselves on like Instagram or social media. It's like the highlights of our life. So just to hear just that amount of like realness and, and genuine struggle, I, I really, I like it as well. Cause I, I identify with it a lot myself. Yeah. I, I think it's cool though. Cause I, I know that a lot of other people out there do get like anxiety and like, you know, all yeah. sorts of other mental health things. So it, it's nice to know that we're not alone. And that does no, definitely, definitely. I mean, I suffer from anxiety. I, you know, I had to get sober last July for, you know, for this, for this to all work out for this to all continue down that path. I, I had to, I, I guess like one thing that I'm working on is it's like, I don't know if I'll ever drink again, but I know I'm not going to have a drink today. Mm -hmm. And I know that that might be something that I might tell myself for the rest of my life. It, it's, it's a slippery slope. And I, and I think that people have a hard time identifying it because it's like, my thing is, it's like, if I was suffering in one area in my life, I would always use something else to cope with it. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's not healthy. And I knew that, and I know myself well enough to know that I'm, all in or all out mm -hmm. in a lot of things. And it's like, I couldn't, 
I remember, and I'll say this, uh, the first couple of podcasts that I recorded of my own, I can, I can hear it in my voice. I was, I was hung over in them. I had that, that mo that snap out of it moment where it was like, this is why you were put on this earth. Like you are meant to do this with your life. If you're going to piss it away to have a couple of drinks, you're not cut out for what you think you're cut out for. So I had to, I had to stop and you know, it's, it, it's completely changed my life. You know, it's like, I, I, I can't just, I, I can't be disciplined in one area of my life and not the other. Like I have to be disciplined across the board, you know? So it's like, I, I went, once I stopped with that, I started focusing on my health a lot as well. And I just, it, you know, I started reading again a lot and I just, I had to clean it all up because like, I, I think once you, you know, this is just me personally speaking, if I let one area start to slip, I'm going to crumble quick, you know, and like everything's going to fall apart sure. and it's just easier to not do something. And for me personally, it's just easier to not just have one than to try, mm -hmm. you know, like it's just easier just to not, because like I said, it's either all in or all out. And I can't, I've never been the type to dabble. <laughs> it makes sense. I'm kind of an extremist myself. So I know the feeling like every yeah. time I'm into something, like it's like full force, 155%, you know, but like that's extremist personality, I guess. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the way I look at it. But I see what you're saying though. Cause I think that a lot of the, it's almost like the broken windows theory. Like when you see like, a neighborhood with like a broken window and you know graffiti all of a sudden the neighborhood starts getting even more messed up i think it's the same way within ourselves yeah like if one part of ourselves is broken like it's sort of just it's easier to break down in other areas of our life versus the opposite if like you're doing something positive and like you just did something like that you're stoked on for that day like talking to you or whoever you're you go you leave that day kind of feeling like more motivated and you in your self-esteem i guess your self-esteem bank and then, you know, you feel good again. It's, it's a trippy thing, but I agree. Yeah, to everybody out there who might be struggling with stuff, you, you need to know that there's a lot of people out there that go through it. You know, you're, you're truly not alone in anything that you might think. And, but at the end of the day though, and like I come from a family addicts at the end of the day, it's up to you to change it though. You know, you have to want to change. The change isn't going to be done for you and it's not fun. It's not easy. Some people who are very, very close to me suffered from addiction for a very long time. And I've seen the, the highs, literal highs and the literal lows of it all. And at the end of the day, you're going to hit a point where you, you have to want to change, you know, but no, with that though, there is a community. There are people out there who have gone through these things that don't judge you because we've all been down that path. We've all hit that, that, you know, whatever your rock bottom was or whatever you want to call it that morning that you wake up and you're like, I got to do something about this. This isn't right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think, no more. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm waving my white flag. I can't just 40 days in a row is of drinking is enough. I'm done. I gotta, I gotta stop you. You, once you accept it and then you're willing to change, and then you're going to realize that there are a group of people out there that want you to, to succeed. You know, like the world's not against you. And that, that's one thing that I had a really tough time with is I, yeah. I thought that everything was against me and that, that's just not the case. Yeah. It's interesting. I've also felt that, um, imposter syndrome before, you know, like when you go into like a new situation yeah, and you kind of feel like, oh, wow, like everyone around me is like super smart. And like, I, you know, those feelings that you get though, it's just, yeah. it's interesting. Like how, like your mind could really mess with you unless you check the thoughts that are coming into it and be like, Hey, is this, is this right? Or is this not? And you know, whether or not you want to feel that or not. Yeah. People are always going to show you their best versions of themselves. There's very few people on the face of this earth that truly act who they are, who are truly vulnerable with you. Every interaction that you get, there's not a lot of people out there that are willing to do that. Own myself for who I am. And it's, you know, harsh reality, either you're going to like me or you don't. And, you know, I'm not, I guess like another thing that I kind of live by is if you judge me by where I live, what I drive and what I wear, I already don't like you. So you just made that decision a lot easier. So just, you know, go live your life. I'm going to live mine. Sure. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with any of that stuff either. I feel like you should try to get to know people for who they are and treat everyone, you know, with respect and that want the best in everyone. And then if they prove yeah. you otherwise, then so be it. So be it. Exactly, man. Like they're like, you know, it's crazy. It's like, I remember what my old man always told me once. He's like, if you make it through life and you have one true friend, one true friend that who no matter what, no matter where you are in the world, you can call them and you know they're going to be there as fast as they can, you won.
yeah, that's it's so true because if people if you find those people that really encourage you and encourage you to do your best and you know when when you're shaky on things or when you're trying something new they're like hey go out there do it you got this you know i, I love yeah. those types of people because then i'm just like all right someone else believes in me so that that makes it easier for me to go and believe in myself yeah no i mean that's the thing is it's like i mean there's always been that sense of community community out there in the world and throughout history you know and i just think that I think that it's it's great to have that person that's supporting you, but I also think that that person, when they do support you, they have to call you on your bullshit too at mm -hmm. times. Sure. And they have to, like, and you have to be like, I guess it, it makes it easier at that time too to accept the fact like, all right, if this person's telling me it, I, I probably need to, you know, clean some stuff up. You know, I, I guess I'm just such a firm believer that you have to, you have to want to do something about it to do it. Like you have to believe in yourself more than anybody does. I know that I couldn't love my son or my, my fiance if I didn't love myself. And I'm just, I'm a firm believer in that. Like I can't help anybody unless I, I take care of myself first. If you know, if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. My mom actually had to teach me that not that long ago, actually, it was probably only a couple of years ago. She was like self-preservation. Cause there's things that I was yeah. doing where I wasn't really taking care of myself and I was trying to take care of other people. And at the end of the day, if I can't take care of myself, I'm not gonna be able to take care of any, anyone else. A, a tough pill for me to swallow, man, is I can't be everybody else. It's not my job to be your, your hero. And that's one thing that I, it's, it's tough for me to do because I want to help as many people as possible. But unless I'm, unless my bed's made, I can't make your bed for you. So it's like, I, I just think that once, once you focus in on that, and it's not selfish to think this way, you know, it's not selfish to be like, I have to put myself first. Think about it. Every time you're on an airplane, put mm -hmm. your oxygen mask on before anybody else's. Yep. There's a reason for that. Absolutely. You know? So it's yeah, like, it's a great point. Yeah. yeah you know, no. so it's like, and there's not, it's not selfish. It's like, it, it's what you need to do. Yeah. It's like the order of operations so that Correct. most people survive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that that's the part that's, yeah, it's really interesting. How did you get so comfortable being who you are? Cause it seems like you are super comfortable with who you are. I don't know if that was um, something with your parents or like, no, man, I was, a, I was a disaster. I was a disaster, dude. Like I suffered from everything, you know, I'm not, I'm honestly an introvert. I do, like, I might not seem like it, but I, I truly enjoy sitting at home. I like the silence. I like the hanging out with my son and my fiance, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I like to have a good time and, and live, live my life. But I just think you just hit a certain point where you stop searching for acceptance from others. You know, you stop reaching and trying to please everybody because you're not going to please everybody. And I just think that it, it, it takes a lot, man. And I, and I still struggle with that because like at the end of the day, man, I'm a human being, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I have my highs and lows. I have my ups and downs. And I just know that I'm at a place now where unless I have to take care of myself before I can take care of anybody and I'm fully committed to that. And that, that's, I guess that's what makes it easier to live in that regard. So like I'm done acting in a certain type of way. Like I've accepted the fact that I've done and said things in my life that I shouldn't have. I was a child. I was young. Well, I've, I'm, a, I'm a human. All right. I make sure. mistakes. And I think that I've accepted that. And I've, and I know that for me to continue to be the best version of myself, I have to live my truth. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't hide in, in behind some facade and act like I'm perfect because that just doesn't get, that just doesn't get anybody anywhere. Yeah. That makes sense. It's interesting. Cause I actually consider myself an introvert too. But I've been in sales like my whole life, which is yeah. kind of weird. But I, I think that there's probably a lot of introverted people in sales. And I'm assuming they're probably pretty good at it because they probably have a little bit more active listening skills. I, I Yeah, I, I just think it it's easier to turn it on and turn it off because it's like I'm not like afraid to talk to people. Like I, I will gladly sit on, in, on a stage in front of 10,000 people and talk like that doesn't scare me at all. That I'm terrifies cool. me. Tell me how you do that. <laughs> now, I, I don't know. I just, I enjoy it. I, I love meeting people. Right. What I don't like is being in like a massive crowd of people. I get like claustrophobic and everything. And I get highly uncomfortable sure. in those situations. Uh, and then like, I, I just think like, cause I can turn it on and turn it off. You know, like I know like when I'm working, I'm working. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's Chris. That's the freight coach. You know, like I'm out there, I'm doing that. But when I'm done, I'm dad at home. Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that's, that's, that's what I can, I can come on. You know, I, I guess it's just like, you know, game day, you know, for, for professional athletes, when you show you're in the zone, but when you're when you're not there, you're not there. 
and you need and like and finding that separation is key because like I, like you're not on 100 of the but yeah man i i just think that you'll learn you learn to you know like that's what i like i love talking to people i love meeting people i love helping people and i know that you know but at the at the end of the day though i love being at home <laughs> you know <laughs> i love being in my zone i like being able to like kind of shut down and disconnect from things so yeah, I'm I'm curious too about that that talking in front of ten thousand people because I yeah. I'm good with like one on one like situations maybe one to a couple people but like that that just seems terrifying to me the ten thousand people I, I just feel like sometimes I don't know if you feel this but sometimes when I'm in front of a bunch of people and they're like looking at me I start looking internally I guess probably will still get <laughs> like I'll get jitters the first time I do it yeah and I'll probably always get jitters I, I I don't know I I guess to me that's that doesn't phase me, you know, because I know that whatever, whenever that happens, whenever I am speaking in front of a crowd of 10,000 people, I'm going to have overcame so much to get there that whatever anxiety I might've had is going to be long gone at that mm -hmm. point. Yeah. At that point, That's it's probably just like exciting. Cause you're like, Oh, yeah. wow, I, I've made it to this, this amazing point. That is the interesting thing is there's so many blessings that happen like all the time in mm -hmm. our daily lives that we forget. We're like, wow, like that happened, like got this, you know, there's been jobs that I've gotten, even this last um, job at 3PL Systems, it, it came from just a past relationship. Yeah. And there's so many things like that, that like we forget to be like so thankful for, you know, as well. So yeah, we got to, yeah, those times that we do get those <laughs> good accounts or land like a yeah. big customer. Yeah, it's it's definitely good to be grateful for it. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've all we've all experienced things in life. We've all, you know, experienced adversity, some a lot more than others, obviously, but I think that we've all overcame stuff. Once you start like switching your mindset towards that, like, you know what, I have overcame some shit in my life, I can do this, mm -hmm. you know, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. The, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. And if it doesn't, we're all dead anyways. So like, look at it that way. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I completely agree with you. And just changing your mindset and just being that coach inside your head where you're like, hey, you got this versus like, hey, you're going to fail. Like you could tell yourself either one. And if you tell yourself you're going to fail, it's probably going to happen. You will fail. Yeah. And the mind, the mind is a yeah. powerful thing. And, and I don't think people give it enough credit, honestly. Like what you put out there, what you talk about, what you speak, you can speak it into existence. You can truly speak anything into existence. Now you can't just talk about it. You have to have action behind it. You have to build up. You have to work for it. But whatever you want to achieve in life, you can achieve. Like there's nothing stopping you but you. That's at least how I think now. I wasn't like, I didn't always think this way. I had every excuse in the world. But I think now like truly everything is limitless in my opinion. I can achieve anything I want. I'm leaving subtle clues even in my content. My, my opening music for my podcast says what's going to happen in the future. My name is going to be in lights. I'm going to be in front of people. That's going to happen. That's my subtle way of putting it out there into the universe sure. right now as, as, like, as well as me talking about it and, and, you know, because I am speaking that into existence. I already said I'm going to speak at a Freight Waves conference. And it's going to happen. The first, the first in-person Freight Waves conference, I will be speaking there. I know that's, that. Yeah, that's amazing. I it's interesting because I I've come across what you're saying as well. Like I once you put stuff out into the universe, it does happen. Like it, you said, if you if you put it out there and you own it, and you're just like I, this happened to me actually like ten years ago. I was like I want to yeah. be I want to become a musician, and I was just like just kept on saying it and like kept on you know working towards it, getting lessons and all this sort of stuff or whatever. Yeah, it, it's so true. Like it's exact. You're manifesting what you're what you're putting out there if you could my problem though is i don't know if you're the same but I'll, I'll get something i'll get something going pretty far and then i might get derailed or something and then i might go off in a different direction which yeah. is not a bad thing necessarily it's just it is what it is i, I mean depending it, on when you say derailed or in a different direction it might be leading you into the direction you were supposed to go in the whole time it just that's yeah. just the path that you're supposed to take yeah you know, there, there's no straight line to anything sure you know, there's no straight line to anything and it takes time and you have to be willing to invest it. You have to be willing to invest the time. You have to be willing to pivot. You have to be willing to change. The, the whole business that I had in my head when I first started, nowhere near what it looks like now. It's because things happen in life. It's not the way it's going. You have it planned out in your head. 
And I think like when you can accept that and you can accept the fact that, you know, I'm going to have to make some changes and some pivots and go along the way. I think it's, you know, like it doesn't solve everything. It doesn't make everything with a cherry on top, but it helps prepare you for the fact that things go wrong and you have to know how to react and not be afraid to make the decision to either cut it loose or double down and keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Well, yeah, man, that was fun. I appreciate the time. Yeah. Were you, uh, how do people find you if they want, what, what sort of services are you looking for? So you could case anyone out there, we actually yeah. work with a bunch of uh, freight brokers as well. So this will be going out to some, some freight brokers on our network. So what, what do you provide for them? So they know. Uh, yeah, definitely. So I do sales and operations training within transportation. My clients consist of asset based carriers as well as freight brokers. And I work from a one person startup to some, you know, fairly large companies out there as well. And a lot of it is, is we work together to really coach up your sales reps and your operations team on how to operate more efficiently. Back to what I said earlier, sometimes a fresh perspective is the best perspective and you have to reach them because everybody learns differently. You can't just give one way of doing it and say, succeed with this or you're fired. You have to work with your reps. And that's what I can do is, you know, I, I, I provide that unbiased feedback. We work on that. I've made the cold calls. I've gone through, I've built pipelines. And that's one thing that we really focus in on. And then some of my clients, I'm a, I'm a for hire sales and ops manager. They don't have the budget to bring somebody on of my experience level full time. So they can contract with me on an hourly basis. We can come up with a plan and we work together and you, you know, like you can work with me once a month or five times a month, whatever suits your organizational needs. That's what we do. And we focus on growth strategy you know, maybe we're changing the traje- trajectory of our organization and we're going to put together the, you know, the procedures that is needed to make those uh, changes effective. No, I'm a big fan of coaching myself. Yeah. I, I, um, I think if you could find a coach on anything that that helps you in your career, it's, it's well worth doing. I, I take music lessons and I take other kind of coaching lessons that I've taken in the past. And I, I I'm a strong believer in it because I, you could find so many insights from people like you that are kind of helping you critique, you know, what they're doing, but, um, yeah, man, I appreciate the time. Hey, anytime, Jeremy, I appreciate you reaching out, man. And I look forward to seeing, uh, seeing what, the, what this grows into for you. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Chris Jolly, the freight coach. Definitely check him out on LinkedIn. And if you have any uh, need for any sector sales training, definitely worth checking out. Thanks.